What's up? Oh. Wow. Oh, <laughs> you wow. get the last note out. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Fuck. The way you didn't tell her you were gonna. <laughs> I like catching her off guard. Yeah, we know what that means. Why Y2K takes on the Hunger Games? <sighs> yeah, thank God. We're back, baby. We're back. Better than ever? Questionable. <laughs> <laughs> we're back. You know, we're here. We took a little break. We did. I don't some know if you noticed. Some of us had to travel across the pond. I was exploring the British Isles, one could say. For sure. I was <laughs> enjoying my time at home. <laughs> yeah, being totally regular, I'm sure. I had a birthday. That was, was that already in the pod? I don't know. Um, you also had the sickness. I was so ill. While I was in the British Isles, the home had the sickness. Yeah, very ill. So that's cool. I called off work for the first time in my life. How'd it feel? Bad. You gonna start doing it more often? No. Why? I feel bad. For taking off of work? Yeah. So the thing about that is, fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know. We're here. She's playing with the cat, everyone. I'm stretching him. She's really playing with the cat. The podcast number two. Two. He missed one? the podcast. Podcast podcast number one really missed the podcast. So. Yeah, he's really excited to be here. I just dapped him up. The Hunger Games. This is more my speed. That's not true. Twilight's also my speed. Okay, I was going to say, what but the heck? The Hunger Games universe has such a hold on me that I still will debate it. Okay. I personally haven't thought about it in a long time. That is crazy, because I've watched all the movies every year at least once since they came out. Yeah, you've watched them when I've been in the home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the Hunger Games. This is one of my favorite universes. So you're... Well. So I can't wait to say things, and you're going to be like, what? Because you yeah. just don't even know. Yeah. You don't even get the fan cams on your TikTok. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, so let's... The, our Twilight... Nope. Nope. Our Hunger Games backstory. I read the books in middle school. Yep, same. Same he's there. Okay. Mm-hmm. My brother read them first, and I read them, and I went, <gasps> and then I went to the midnight premiere of Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. In the book that we are reading from, I found two ticket stubs from March 23rd, 2012. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're dealing first with. 11 years ago. Yep. Yeah. You could say it's pretty recent, the news that we're covering here yeah. today. Well, it is recent, because in November... The prequel comes out. Oh, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yeah. Me, my ass in the chair, November 17th. I'm so excited. I'm going to be there. I didn't read it. Oh. That's embarrassing. You should. I'll try. <laughs> I read it for the first time when my leg was broken and I was having to do physical therapy on the exercise bike and I would just be pedaling so slow on the exercise bike reading about President Snow. There you go. And I remember being like, this is good. Okay. So... Yeah. yeah. I don't like President Snow. The trailer looks like it slays, though. It looks really good. Very excited for the movie. I love the Hunger Games. Hee 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 hee. Let's get into it, then. Yeah. Yeah. Part one, the tributes. Chapter one. When I wake up, the other side of my bed is cold. My fingers stretch out, seeking Prim's warmth, but finding only the rough canvas cover of the mattress. She must have had bad dreams and climbed in with our mother. Of course she did. This is the day of the reaping. <laughs> I prop myself up on one elbow. There's enough light in the bedroom to see them. My little sister Prim cuddled up on her side, cocooned in my mother's body, their cheeks pressed together. 
No, don't make it weird. With their ass cheeks pressed together. Don't make it weird. <laughs> In sleep, my mother looks younger, still worn, but not so beaten down. Dang. Oh. Get her. She roasts her mom all the time. Mom's got these bags in your eyes. <laughs> her traumatized mother. Yeah. Prim's face is as fresh as a raindrop, as lovely as the primrose for which she was named. My mother was very beautiful once, too. Or so they tell me. <laughs> she doesn't even believe it. Roasted. Sitting at Prim's knees, guarding her, is the world's ugliest cat. Okay. She is she's right off the gate, man. I'm not liking her. She's cat hungry. Is. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Mashton knows half of one ear missing, eyes the color of rotting squash. <laughs> Prim named him Buttercup, insisting that his muddy yellow coat matched the bright flower. He hates me, or at least distrusts me. Even though it was years ago, I think he still remembers how I tried to drown him in a bucket when Prim brought him home. Scrawny kitten, belly swollen with worms, crawling with fleas. The last thing I needed was another mouth to feed. But Prim begged so hard, cried even, I had to let him stay. It turned out okay. My mother got rid of the vermin, and he's a born mouser. Even yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> even catches the occasional rat. Sometimes when I clean a kill, I feed Buttercup the entrails. Is that the word? Entrails. Slay. He has stopped hissing at me. How do you feel as a cat mom reading this? Why Why is she so anti-cat? But the belly full of worms with fleas. Poor baby. Your cats did not have that. No. They were lucky They boys. had big bellies, though. They had big bellies. They were spheres. And look at them now. <laughs> One of them still got big belly. <laughs> hey, they're well taken care of. <laughs> he doesn't have to fend for his food. Mm-hmm entrails no hissing this is the closest we will ever come to love that's how i feel with the cats okay they, that's literally not true if you were in the home without hazel they would be on your chest yeah no they we have fun yeah i swing my legs off the bed and slide into my hunting boot supple leather that has molded to my feet i pull on trousers a shirt tuck my long braid up in a cap and grab my forage bag wait so her braid is not dangling down. It's no, it's under in, her cap. It's up in a cap. Okay. Yeah. On the table, under a wooden bowl to protect it from the hungry rats and cats alike, sits a perfect little goat cheese wrapped up in basil leaves. I love putting my goat cheese under the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always doing that. Prim's gift to me on reaping day. I put the cheese carefully in my pocket and I slip outside. Cheese or, pocket. Cheese pocket. It's just like training a dog. I bet those smell rank. <laughs> Our part of District 12, nicknamed The Seam, is usually crawling with coal miners heading out to the morning shift at this hour. Men and women with hunched shoulders, swollen knuckles, many who have long since stopped trying to scrub the coal dust out of their broken nails, the lines of their sunken faces. But today the black cinder streets are empty. Shutters on the squat gray houses are closed. The reaping isn't until two. May as well sleep in, if you can. Our house is almost at the edge of the seam. I only have to pass a few gates to reach the scruffy field called the meadow. Separating the meadow from the woods, in fact, enclosing all of District 12, is a high chain-like fence topped with barbed wire hoops. In theory, it's supposed to be electrified 24 hours a day as a deterrent to the predators that live in the woods. Pack of wild dogs, lone cougars, bears... <laughs> There's just a bunch of old ladies out there. Like, hey, sir. Hey, <laughs> They make a little bell. <laughs> Please. 
But since we're lucky to get two or three hours of electricity in the evenings, it's usually safe to touch. Even so, I always take a moment to listen carefully for the hum that means the fence is live. Right now, it's silent as a stone. Concealed by a clump of bushes, I flatten out my belly and slide under a two-foot <laughs> stretch that's been loose for years. There are several other weak spots in the fence, but this one is so close to home that I almost always enter the woods here. As soon as I'm in the trees, I receive a bow, sheath of arrows from a hollow log. She keeps it all out there. That's interesting. You're not allowed to have weapons in the home. Okay, okay whatever. Okay, I don't know. No, <laughs> Electrified or not, the fence had been successful at keeping the flesh eaters out of District 12. Ew! Okay. Inside the woods, they roam freely, and there are added concerns like venomous snakes, rabid animals, and no real paths to follow. But there's also food if you know how to find it. My father knew, and he taught me some before he was blown to bits in a mine explosion. <laughs> there's some, there's nothing even to bury. That gold mine then. changed you. Oh, no. Oh, God. I was 11 then. Five years later, I still wake up screaming for him to run. She says as if he's in. she was in the mine with him. That's gi- so true. But that's giving um, Bella and that <laughs> relief. Come on. A little bit. <laughs> Even though trespassing in the woods is illegal and poaching carries the severest of penalties, most people would risk it if they had weapons. Most people are not bold enough to venture out with just a knife. My bow is a rarity, crafted by my father along with a few others that I keep well hidden in the woods, carefully wrapped in waterproof covers. My father could have made good money selling them, but if the officials find out that he would have been publicly executed for inciting a rebellion. Most of the peacemakers turn a blind eye to the few of us who hunt because they're as hungry for fresh meat as anybody is. In fact, they're among our best customers. But the idea that someone might be arming the seam would never have been allowed. In the fall, a few brave souls sneak into the woods to harvest apples, but always in sight of the meadow, always close enough to run back to the safety of District 12 if trouble arises. District- this is, they're this scared of wolves? I, yeah, I guess so. Large dogs? <laughs> I can't I pick know. my apples over here because there's a dog. I don't know. It's probably because sneaking out is bad, right? Just pay the apple tax. I don't know. Like everyone else. The, they don't have any money, dog. The apple tax is when you give your dog a piece oh, of your apple. Well, they don't. They can't, they're not going to give a wolf a little piece of their apple. <laughs> the wolf's going to be fine with that. That's not how it works. Oh. District 12, where you can starve to death in safety, I mutter. Then I glance quickly over my shoulder. Even here, even in the middle of nowhere, you worry someone might overhear you. Hmm, that's a super safe society. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, I scared my mother to death. The things I would blurt out about District 12, about the people who rule our country, Penem, from the far-off city called the capital. Eventually, I understood this would only lead us to more trouble. So I learned to hold my tongue and to turn my features into indifferent masks so that no one could ever read my thoughts. Do my work quietly in school. Make only polite talk in the public market. Discuss a little more than trades on the hob, which is the black market where I make most of my money. Even at home, where I am less pleasant, I avoid discussing tricky topics like the reaping or food shortages or the Hunger Games. Prim might begin to repeat my words, and then where would we be? In the woods waits the only person with whom I can be myself, Gail. I can feel the muscles in my face relaxing, my pace quickening as I climb the hills to our place, a rock ledge overlooking a valley. A thicket of berry bushes protects it from unwanted eyes. The sight of him waiting there brings on a smile. Gail says I never smile except in the woods. Hey, catnip, said Gail. <laughs> okay, you don't have to give him fuck boy right away. <laughs> yes, I do. He <laughs> sucks. He sucks. Whoa, I don't remember enough about him. He doesn't suck that much in this book. He sucks later. Okay, but well, give him the benefit of the doubt. No. There's new people here. I'm a real here. fan. Oh. <laughs> 
My real name is Katniss, but when I first told him, I had barely whispered it, so he thought I said catnip. Then then when this crazy lynx started following me around the woods looking for handouts, it became his official nickname for me. I finally had to kill the lynx because he scared off game. I almost regretted it because he wasn't bad company, but I got a decent price for his pelt. Look at what I got. Gail holds up a loaf of bread with an arrow stuck in it, and I laugh. It's real bakery bread, not the flat, dense loaves we make from our grain rations. I take it in my hands, pull out the arrow, and hold the puncture and the crust to my nose, inhaling the frankincense that makes my mouth flood with saliva. Ew! <laughs> I wish it just said water. Fine bread like this is for special occasions. Me earlier when you were handing me bread. Yeah. Bread. But I can't talk. This is not good. <laughs> when Maddie handed me a full queen size bread earlier. <laughs> when I handed it to me, I can't talk either. <laughs> Mmm, still warm, I say. You must have been at the bakery at the crack of dawn to trade for this. What did it cost you? Just a squirrel. Think the old man was getting sentimental this morning, says Gail. Even wish me luck. Well, we all feel a little closer today, don't we? I say, not even bothering to roll my eyes. Prim left us a cheese. <laughs> I pull it out. <laughs> Prim like, left us a cheese. Yeah, I got my cheese pocket right now. Cheese pocket, <laughs> bread pocket. <laughs> His expression brains at the treat. Thank you, Prim. We'll have a real feast. Yeah, you better be thanking Prim now. Oh. Uh. <laughs> oh. Real ones know. Suddenly, oh. he falls into a capital accent as he mimics Effie Trinket, the upbeat woman who arrives once a year to read out the names at the reaping. I almost forgot. Happy Hunger Games. Wow. <laughs> he plucks a few blackberries from the bushes around us. And may the odds. He tosses a berry in a high arc towards me. I catch it in my mouth and break the delicate skin with my teeth. The sweet tartness explodes across my tongue. Be ever in your favor. <laughs> I finish with equal verb. We have to joke about it because the alternative is to be scared out of your wits. Besides, the capital accent is so affected. Almost anything sounds funny in it. I watch as Gale pulls out his knife and slices the bread. He could be my brother. Straight black hair, olive skin. We have the same gray eyes, but we're not related. At least not closely. Most of the families who work the mines resemble one another this way. She's saying they're all incest babies. They might be. They're in the mines. People are getting blown up. There's not that many people. Another reason to be anti-Gale. That's why about, would that not make you anti-Cadness also? Well, yeah, but if you're rooting between him and somebody else, you would not choose him because he's her cousin. He's not her cousin. I think they might be cousins. Okay, that's your thought? I think they're cousins. (laughs) That's why my mother and Prim, with their light hair and blue eyes, always look out of place. They are. My mother's parents are part of a small merchant class that caters to officials, peacekeepers, and the occasional seam customer. They ran an uh, apothecary? Is that how you say that? That makes me think about um, Schitt's Creek. What? How? Because he has one of those. An apothecary? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ran an apothecary shop in the nicer part of District 12. Since almost no one can afford doctors, apothecaries are our healers. My father got to know my mother because on his hunts, he would sometimes collect medicinal herbs and sell them to her shop to be brewed into remedies. She must have really loved him to leave her home for the seam. I try to remember when all I can see is the woman who sat by blank and unreachable while her children turned to skin and bones. I try to forgive Sometimes her. Sometimes you got that depression. <laughs> yeah, she's mentally ill. I try to forgive her for my father's sake, but to be honest, I'm not the forgiving type. Damn. Gail, yeah. Whew. Gail spreads the bread slices with the soft goat cheese, carefully placing a basil leaf on each while I strip the bushes of their berries. 
It's the poisonous berries. Yeah. She's, like, she's microdosing. We're not dealing with the reaping this year. She's microdosing <laughs> to prepare. We settle back in a nook in the rocks. From this place, we are invisible, but have a clear view of the valley, which is teeming with summer life, greens to gather, roots to dig, fish iridescent in the sunlight. This is beautiful imagery she's slaying. Mm -hmm. The day is glorious with a blue sky and a soft breeze. The food's wonderful with the cheese seeping into the warm bread and the berries bursting in our mouth. Everything would be perfect if this really was a holiday. If all the day off meant was roaming the mountains with Gail hunting for tonight's supper. But instead we have to be standing in the square at two o'clock waiting for the names to be called out. We could do it, you know. Gail says quietly, what? <laughs> Leave the district, run off, live in the woods, you and I, we could make it said Gail. I don't know how to respond. The idea is so preposterous. If we didn't have so many kids, he adds quickly. They're not our kids, of course, but they might as well be. Gail's two little brothers and a sister, Prim, and you may as well throw in our mothers too, because how could they live without us? Who would fill those mouths that are always asking for more? With both of us hunting daily, there are still nights when game has to be swapped for lard or shoelaces or wool. Still nights when we go to bed with our stomachs growling. I never want to have kids, I say. I might, if I didn't live here, says Gail. But you do, I say, irritated. Forget it, he snaps back. The conversation feels all wrong. Leave? How could I leave Prim, who's the only person in the world I'm certain I love, and Gail is devoted to his family? We can't leave, so why even bother talking about it? Even if we did, where did all this stuff about having kids come from? <laughs> There's never been anything romantic between Gail and me. When we met, I was a skinny 12-year-old, and although he was only two years older than me... He already looked like a man. Oh. It took a long time for us to even become friends to stop haggling over every trade and begin helping each other out. Besides, if he wants kids, Gail's won't have, Gail won't have any trouble finding a wife. He's good looking. He's strong enough to handle the work in the mines and he can hunt. You can tell by the way the girls <laughs> whisper about him when he walks by in school that they want him. A man needs to put that as his like <laughs> dating profile. That's what I'm looking for, by the way. Good looking, strong enough to handle the work in the mines and can hunt. <laughs> I'm looking for. <laughs> no, I think that will attract the wrong crowd. <laughs> Your ideal crowd. What do you mean? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it makes me jealous, but not for the reason people would think. Good hunting partners are hard to find. Yeah. Okay, Janice. Sure. <laughs> it's like they'd be shooting themselves instead of the game. <laughs> Wasting arrows. Just lost all these hunting partners. <laughs> Just keep shooting themselves. <laughs> you know, people like will keep like their gun like in like in their pocket and then uh -huh. shoot themselves. That's her. People just, do that all the time in the ER. That we had multiple injuries like that. I just imagine it's somehow happening with like a bow and arrow. She's like, dog, what? He's like putting it in the back. Yeah. Uh. They're, they're sheathing the arrows they're and stabbing themselves. <laughs> Come on, dog. It does sharpen that arrow. <laughs> what do you want to do, I ask? We can hunt, fish, or gather? Let's fish at the lake. We can leave our poles and gather in the woods. Get something nice for tonight, he says. Tonight. After the reaping, everyone is supposed to celebrate, and a lot of people do, out of relief that their children have been spared for another year. But at least two families will pull their shutters, lock their doors, and try to figure out how they will survive the painful weeks to come. We make out well. The predators ignore us on a day when easier, tastier prey abounds. 
By late morning, we have a dozen fish, a bag of greens, and best of all, a gallon of strawberries. I found the patch a few years ago, but Gail had the idea to string mesh nets around it to keep out the animals. On the way home, we swing by the hob, the black market that operates in an abandoned warehouse that once held coal. Did they not already explain it exactly yeah, like that? Yeah, she did, but I think she's like, hey, if you forgot, two pages <laughs> you ago. You forgot from two pages ago. Just in case. When they came up with a more efficient system that transported the coal directly from the mines to the trains, the hob gradually took over the space. Most businesses are closed by this time on reaping day, but the black market's still fairly busy. We easily trade six of the fish for good bread, the other two for salt. Gracie Say, the bony old woman who sells bowls of hot soup from a large kettle, takes half the greens off her hands in exchange for a couple chunks of paraffin. Wait, what's her name? Greasy Say, S-A-E. <laughs> oh. Greasy Say, that's me. <laughs> New <laughs> Halloween costume just dropped. <laughs> there's no descri- There's no other description <laughs> other than she sells soup I imagine from a large kettle. You got greasy hair and you got... <laughs> Large, large kettle of okay. soup. <laughs> sure, it's giving Kevin from the office. <laughs> <laughs> Greasy say walks in, she drops all her soup. No, <laughs> she needs her greens. <laughs> we might do a tad better elsewhere, but we make an effort to keep on good terms with Greasy Say. She's the only one who can consistently be counted on to buy wild dog. Oh. We don't hunt them on purpose, but if you're attacked and you take out a dog or two, well, meat is meat. Once it's in the soup, I call it beef. That's with a wink. You go to the party and that's your only line. Once it's in the soup, I call it beef. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no one in the sea would turn up their nose at a good leg of wild dog, but the peacekeepers who come to the hob can afford to be a little choosier. When we finish our business at the market, we go to the back door of the mayor's house to sell half the strawberries, knowing he has particular fondness for them and can afford our price. The mayor's daughter, Madge, opens the door. She's in my year at school. Being the mayor's daughter, you'd expect her to be a snob, but she's all right. She just keeps to herself, like me. Since neither neither of us really have a group of friends, we seem to end up together a lot of school. Eating lunch, sitting next to each other at the assemblies, partnering for sport activities. We rarely talk, which suits us both just fine. Today, her drab school outfit has been replaced by an expensive white dress, and her blonde hair is done up in a pink ribbon. Reaping clothes. Pretty dress, says Gail. Matt shoots him a look, trying to see if it's genuine compliment or if he's just being ironic. It is a pretty dress, but she would never be wearing it ordinarily. Ordinarily. She presses her lips together and then smiles. Well, if I end up going to the Capitol, I want to look nice, don't I? Now it's Gail's turn to be confused. Does she mean it? Or is she messing with him? I'm guessing the second. You won't be going to the Capitol, says Kale Woolley. His hand, no, his eyes land on a small circular pin that adorns her dress. His hand lands on a small (laughs) circular pin on her dress. (laughs) (laughs) Real gold, beautifully crafted. It could keep a family inbred for months. I I hate that. Make the world's biggest loaf of bread and they get to live in it. (laughs) That's a dream. You have to eat your way out. Bread house. Bread house. Brunnel. Bread tunnel. Okay. All right. (laughs) Meet me in the brunnel. (laughs) Meet me in the brunnel. Dream. What can you have? Five entries? I had six when I was just 12 years old. That's not her fault, I say. No, it's no one's fault. Just the way it is, says Gail. Madge's face has become closed off. She puts the money for berries in my hand. Good luck, Katniss. 
You too, I say, and the door closes. We walk around the seam in silence. I don't like that Gale took a dig at Madge, but he's right, of course. The reaping system is unfair, with the poor getting the worst of it. You become eligible for the reaping the day you turn 12. That year, your name is entered once, at 13, twice, and so on, and so on, until you reach the age of 18, the final year of eligibility, when your name goes into the pool seven times. That's true for every citizen in the 12 districts in the entire country of Penem. I'm only going to say it like that. Penem. But here's the catch. Say you are poor and starving, as we were. You can opt to add your name more times in exchange for tesserae. <laughs> for tesserae. Each tessera. is <laughs> 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 worth a year's supply of grain and oil for one person. You may do this for each of your family members as well. So at the age of 12, I had my name entered four times, once because I had to, and three times for tesserae, for grain and oil for myself, Prim, and my mother. In fact, every year I have needed to do this, and the entries are cumulative. So now, at the age of 16, my name will be in the reaping 20 times. Gail, who is 18 and has been either helping or single-handedly feeding a family of five for seven years, will have his name in 42 times. Wow. Yikes. Ruh-roh. You can see why someone like Madge, who has never been at risk of needing a tessera... Wait. Come on, Needing a tessera can set him off. The chance of her name being drawn is very slim compared to those of us who live in the seam. Not impossible, but slim. And even though the rules were set up by the capital, not the district, certainly not Madge's family, it's hard not to resent those who don't have to sign up for the tessera. Gail knows his anger at Madge is misdirected. On other days, deep in the woods, I listen to him rant about how the tesserae are just another tool to cause misery in our district, a way to plant hatred between the starving workers on the seam and those who can generally count on supper and thereby ensure we will never trust one another. It's to the capital's advantage to have us divided among ourselves, he might say, if there were no ears to hear but mine, if it wasn't reaping day, if a girl with a gold pin and no tesserae had not made what I'm sure she thought was a harmless comment. As we walk, I glance over at Gail's face, still smoldering underneath his stony expression. His rages seem pointless to me, although I'd never say so. It's not that I don't agree with him, I do. But what good is yelling about the capital in the middle of the woods? It doesn't change anything. It doesn't make things fair. It doesn't fill our stomachs. In fact, it scares off the nearby game. <laughs> I let him yell, though. Better he does in the woods than in the district. Gail and I divide our spoils, leaving two fish, a couple of loaves of good bread, greens, a quart of strawberries, salt, paraffin, and a bit of money for each. See you in the square, I say. Wear something pretty, he says flatly. Ugh. He said it flatly. Ick. Ick. Wear something pretty. (laughs) Shut up, Gail. (laughs) At home, I find my mother and sister are ready to go. My mother wears a fine dress from her apothecary days. Prim is in my first reaping outfit, a skirt and a ruffled blouse. It's a bit big on her, but my mother has made it stay with pins. Even so, she's having trouble keeping the blouse tucked in the back. A tub of warm water waits for me. I scrub off the dirt and sweat from the woods and even wash my hair. When it's hair washing day. (laughs) What, like once every two weeks? Yeah. Probably. But her hair's so shiny. Yeah. I mean, she's probably... (laughs) She's probably washing it with cold water. (laughs) But maybe they oh, they all have dark hair. Conspiracy theory, they were all blonde. <laughs> they have to wash their hair with cold water for 18 years. <laughs> so they all just have dark hair. Natural hair dye. 
To my surprise, my mother has laid out one of her own lovely dresses for me, a soft blue thing with matching shoes. Are you sure, I ask? I'm trying to get past rejecting offers of her help for me. Something borrowed, something blue. (laughs) (laughs) No, not correct. Not now. For a while, I was so angry, I wouldn't allow her to do anything for me, and this is something special. Her clothes from her past are very precious to her. Of course. Let's put your hair up, too, she says. I let her towel dry and braid it up on my head. I can hardly recognize myself in the cracked mirror that leans against the wall. You look beautiful, says Prim in a hushed voice. And nothing like myself, I say. I hug her because I know these next few hours will be terrible for her. Her first reaping. She's about as safe as you can get since she's only entered once. I wouldn't let her take out any tesserae. But she's worried about me, that the unthinkable might happen. I protect Prim in every way I can, but I'm powerless against the reaping. The anguish I feel when she's in pain wells up in my chest and threatens to register on my face. I notice her blouse has pulled out of her skirt in the back again and force myself to stay calm. Tuck your tail in, little duck, I say, smoothing the blouse back in place. That's kind of really cute. It is. They put that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Prim giggles and gives me a squall. <laughs> Quack! Quack yourself, I say with a white laugh. <laughs> The kind only Prim can draw out of me. Come on, let's eat, I say, and plant a quick kiss on the top of her head. (laughs) The fish and greens are already cooking in a stew. Mm, Yum. But that will be for supper. We decide to save the strawberries and bakery bread for this evening's meal to make it special, we say. Instead, we drink milk from Prim's goat, Lady. (laughs) Directly from the goat. From the teat. (laughs) And eat the rough bread made from the tessera grain. Although no one has much appetite anyway. At one o'clock, we head for the square. Attendance is mandatory unless you are in death's door. This evening, officials will come around to check to see if this is the case. If not, you'll be imprisoned. Just be in your sick bed. <laughs> Me, last week, I would have gone to the reaping. <laughs> or two weeks ago. Um, it's too bad, really, that they hold the reaping in the square. One of the few places in District 12 that can be pleasant. The square is surrounded by shops and on public market days, especially if there's good weather, it has a holiday feel to it. But today, despite the bright banners hanging off the buildings, there's an air of grimness. The camera grimace. crews... Grimace is there? <laughs> it's all purple. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> they fired Effie. It's just Grimace. <laughs> he's pulling your name out of the, of the glass bowls. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> uh, the camera crews perched like buzzards on rooftops only add to the effect. People file in silently and sign in. The reaping is a good opportunity for the capital to keep tabs on the population as well. Hashtag census. <laughs> 12 through 18-year-olds are herded into roped areas marked off by ages. The oldest in the front, the youngest ones like prim towards the back. They have cowboys and like cattle cutting horses <laughs> rounding them up. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to run and they lasso you. <laughs> It's actually how you get chosen. They don't call your name. They close their eyes and laugh so a kid. And pull them. They're like, this is the one. Just attach that rope straight to the train. <laughs> no, you go. You get dragged by the horse. Oh, God. <laughs> All the way to the capital. Oh, God. You're in District like 2 and you're fine. <laughs> District 12, you have no. burns all over your bodies. That's what you get for living in District 12, am I right? <laughs> 
Family members line up around the perimeter, holding tightly to one another's hands, but there are others, too, who have no one they love at stake, or who no longer care, who slip among the crowd, taking bets on the two kids whose names will be drawn. Odds are given on their ages, whether they're seam or merchant, if they will break down and weep. Most refuse dealing with the racketeers, but carefully, carefully. The, these same people tend to be informers, and who hasn't broken the law? I could be shot on a daily basis for hunting, but the appetites of those in charge protect me. Not everyone can claim the same. Anyway, Gail and I agree that if we have to choose between dying of hunger and a bullet in the head, the bullet would be much quicker. This is such a happy book. It's really light reading. My dad hated the Hunger Games because he thought the movies were too depressing. He's right for that. <laughs> yeah, but then he loved Les Mis, so... <laughs> literally make it make sense. The duality of man. Someone make it make sense. The space gets tighter, more claustrophobic as people arrive. The square is quite large, but not enough to hold District 12's population of about 8,000. Latecomers are directed to the adjacent streets where they can watch the event on screens as it's televised live by the state. I find myself standing in a clump of 16s from the seam, where we all exchange terse nods, then focus our attention on the temporary stage that is set up before the Justice Building. It holds three chairs, a podium, and two large glass balls, one for the boys and one for the girls. I stare at the paper slips in the girls' ball. Twenty of them have Cadmus Everdeen written on them in careful handwriting. Two of the three chairs fill with Madge's father, Mayor Undersea, who's a tall, balding man, and Effie Trinket, District 12's escort, fresh from the Capitol, with her scary white grin, pinkish hair, and a spring green suit. And I know she's slaying. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. They murmur to each other and then look uh, with concern at the empty seat. Just as the town clock strikes two, the mayor steps up to the podium and begins to read. It's the same story every year. He tells the history of Panem, the country that rose up out of the ashes of a place that was once called North America. <laughs> <laughs> Not the North America name drop. <laughs> He lists the disasters, the droughts, the storms, the fires, the encroaching seas that swallowed up so much of the land, the brutal war from what little sustenance remained. The result was Panem, a shining capital ringed by 13 districts, which brought peace and prosperity to its citizens. Then came the dark days, the uprising of the districts against the capital. Twelve were defeated, the 13th obliterated. Sure. Sure. The Treaty of Treason gave us new laws to guarantee peace, and as our yearly reminder that the dark days must never be repeated, it gave us the Hunger Games. This, to me, does not make any sense. But Maybe you should read the prequel. No. The rules of the Hunger Games are simple. In punishment for the uprising, each of the 12 districts must provide one girl and one boy called tributes to participate. The 24 tributes will be imprisoned in a vast outdoor arena that could hold anything from a burning desert to a frozen wasteland. Over a period of several several weeks, the competitors must fight to the death. The last tribute standing wins. If you think about it, it's kind of like a sacrifice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Interesting. Um, Taking the kids from our districts, forcing them to kill one another while we watch. This is the capital's way of reminding us how totally we are at their mercy. How little chance we would stand of surviving another rebellion. What if they just don't watch? Just everybody doesn't Like, I get it, though. Because if you think about it, you know, I could see see everyone watching. Because everyone's bored and depressed. No, no. I understand why they watch. But I'm saying as a form of protest. They could. If you get everybody to not watch. The capital would still eat it up. You know what I mean? That's true. They do really like it in the capital. 
Whatever words they use, the real message is clear. Look how we take your children and sacrifice them, and there's nothing you can do. If you lift a finger, we will destroy every last one of you, just as we did in District 13. To make it humiliating as well as torturous, the Capitol requires us to treat the Hunger Games as a festivity, a sporting event pitting every district against the others. The last tribute alive receives a life of ease back home, and their district will be showered with prizes, largely consisting of food. All year, the Capitol will show the winning district's gifts of grain and oil and even delicacies like sugar, while the rest of us battle starvation. It is both a time of repentance and a time of thanks, intones the mayor. Then he reads the list of past District 12 victors. In 74 years, we have had exactly two. Only one is still alive. Hamish Abernathy, a paunchy middle-aged man, who at this moment appears hollering something unintelligible, <laughs> staggers onto the stage and falls into the third chair. <laughs> love Hamish. He's the best. He's, to be described as paunchy. I mean... It's accurate. It's correct. It just, wow. Really he's, paints a picture. He's drunk. Very. The crowd responds with its token applause, but he's confused and tries to give Effie Trinket a big hug. <laughs> the which, crowd... But she barely manages to fend off. I ship them so hard. Effie and Effie, Yeah. End game. <laughs> <laughs> I ship them so hard. Uh, the mayor looks distressed. Since all of this is being televised, right now District 12 is the laughing stock of Panem. Panem. My bad. And he knows it. He quickly tries to pull the attention back to the reaping by introducing Effie Trinket. Bright and bubbly as ever, Effie Trinket trots to the podium and gives her signature. Happy Hunger Games and may the odds be ever in your favor. Her pink yes, hair. Queen. I love Effie. Her pink hair must be a wig because her curls have shifted slightly off center <laughs> since her encounter with Hamish. She goes on a bit about what an honor it is to be here, although everyone knows she's just aching to get bumped up to a better district when they have proper victors, not drunks who molest you in front of the entire nation. Molest you? Through the crowd, I spot Gail looking back at me with the ghost of a smile. I spot Gail looking back at it. <laughs> Gail's in his scrunch belt leggings. <laughs> Gail's in the crowd, showing off. Like, Do you see that? Are you guys looking? He's like, Gail, we might die. He's low-key twerking. <laughs> Get us. They're like, Gail, why do you have all that back out there? We're literally starving. <laughs> Gail, why are you even dumpy? It's like I carry it all in my back. I have in my back, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Eats one goat cheese. <laughs> cheese just goes right to my, my hips. <laughs> As reapings go, this one at least has a slight entertainment factor, but suddenly I am thinking of Gale and his 42 names in that big glass ball and how the odds are not in his favor, not compared to a lot of the boys, and maybe he's thinking the same thing about me because his face darkens and he turns away. But there are still thousands of slips, I wish I could whisper to him. It's time for the drawing. Effie Trinket says as she does, Ladies first! And crosses to the glass ball with the girl's name. She reaches in, digs her hand deep into the ball, and pulls out a slip of paper. The crowd draws in a collective breath, and then you can hear a pin drop. And I'm feeling nauseous and so desperately hoping that it's not me. That it's not me. That it's not me. Effie Trinket crosses back to the podium, smooths the slip of paper, and reads out the name in a clear voice. And it's not me. It's Primrose Everdeen. Wow. Oh, no boy. way. <laughs> Who saw comments? Spoiler alert. Not me. Um, I love this book. 
we're getting into it. I love that it is right. It's just right to it. Oh yeah. I didn't remember what it was like. So yeah, I'm glad it got right in. I mean, she gives you a decent amount of background. Yeah, and background, then she said the hunting background. She or... said, "Hey, we got this little girl with her ducktail and her ugly cat. And she's gonna die. And you know what? She's first in line. She's gonna die. Get she up deserves here. it with her one name in there. Well, <laughs> she deserves it. That's what Gail would say. Oh, what, when did he say that? Can you send when, me receipts? Uh, hey, 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 hey! <laughs> we can't not talk about it. Hey. I can't forget. I will be so honest. I hated Mockingjay, so I've only read it once. I didn't like it very much either. But you have to know that Gail sucks. What does he suck on? Not cannons. <laughs> <laughs> can tell you that. Oh, right, yeah, right, right, right. For sure. Um, anyways, The Hunger Games Chapter 1. Yes. I want to watch the movie now. Okay, well, you can't watch the movie after every chapter. <laughs> I know. I love <laughs> You can do whatever books. you want, but... I love these books. Yeah. So, we're happy to be back. Yeah. We know you missed us. Mm-hmm. We know you did. Mwah. And if you want to see more of us, we're going to be so active on our Instagram, at yyy2kpod. <laughs> yes. Also on TickleTalk. We got a tripod for a camera, so we're going to have some fire content coming we're, at you. We're a big deal. Yeah, kind of a big deal. So. I asked AI how to make a good podcast, and he told me. So, <laughs> so we're on the road. So we're basically road to success. Yeah. Road to a million starts right here. Yep. For sure. <laughs> the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. <laughs> anyway. Thanks, guys. Yeah. We'll talk to you next week. week. Bye. Bye.